Hello, busy business owner. Are you tired of that overwhelming feeling, the burnout, and constantly chasing after time while you build your business? Trust me, I have been there. And that's what inspired me to create a new group coaching program for service providers who are ready to ditch their complicated, confusing business that just keeps them busy and stressed all day. If you've been hustling for three to five years and you are not seeing the progress or the income that you want, or the time freedom that you dreamed of when you started your business, then Thrive Through Simplicity Group Coaching Program is for you. It is a step-by-step framework to help you create a business that is simple, easy, and free from burnout. Visit chelseanewmeyer.com slash thrive through simplicity to learn more about how you can create a simpler, more fulfilling life and business with 12 months of support. It's time to break free from overwhelm. You've got this, and I'll see you in the program. Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer, and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I am so excited to be welcoming Noel Andrews. Noel is all about connecting people. Professionally, he runs jobrack.eu, where he helps business owners hire actually awesome team members from Eastern Europe. Personally, he loves arranging gatherings, parties, dinners, and events, and having great conversations with great people. Thank you so much for being here. I hope this is going to be one of those great conversations today. Hey, Chelsea. I'm pretty sure it will be. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. All right. Well, I just read your bio, but I'd love to have you walk us through a little bit more about who you are and what inspired you to start your business. Yeah, sure thing. So I have a kind of a long background in kind of in corporate IT and technology. Uh, I'm an aerospace engineer by kind of original trade and kind of uh, university degree and always been uh, always been very, very friendly uh, and always kind of just got a, a real kind of kick out of helping people. And as I moved through my kind of career, I was one of those kind of unusual people that can kind of talk tech and talk plain English as well, and ended up kind of leading and kind of hiring and uh, kind of working with like very large teams. And then that kind of translated forward a few years. I spent a year as an interview coach, so actually helping candidates prepare for interviews, because that's a skill that no one's ever actually taught. Uh, And then the opportunity came up to actually buy JobRack. It was a tiny, tiny little job board at that point, just a kind of a, you know, you post your job ad and candidate supply. And um, it was niche down to remote recruitment and niche even further down to Eastern Europe, which is just this amazing kind of hotbed of uh, of remote talent. And um, yeah, kind of fit really well. So I jumped in, uh, ran it for a few years as as a DIY job board, and then was getting a lot of people asking for help to hire. So obviously with my background and expertise, I was building a very small team at that point too. Um, And yeah, and we started helping people with their hiring, uh, with all the hard work, finding great candidates, you know, everything from interviewing, filtering, testing, et cetera. Uh, and that's actually, that's a lot more satisfying for me. Um, it's, it's a lot harder work, but it's a lot of fun, you know, so we do a lot of almost coaching and advising on kind of business owners and entrepreneurs on, you know, what roles to hire, how to go about it, uh, all kinds of things from that. So yeah, it's really good. And so it just means there's a lot more interaction than a, you know, kind of money while you sleep kind of job board, which, which is lovely, but you know, not quite that same thing. And kind of the fun side of things for me. Oh, that's awesome. And I can't believe we made the, haven't made the connection before, but my background is also in engineering. And I was, I have a, bio, a degree in biomedical engineering. Oh, and, awesome. Cool. Yeah. And was also in the same boat of, I could talk tech and also talk to people. 
Um, <laughs> it's a great skill to have, and it but it sets us apart from uh, from a lot of people. And that and that's quite good fun actually when you're kind of able to kind of be that kind of person that's liaising between the business and the tech teams. Yeah, and I also love talking to other engineers who are not actively in the engineering space because it just kind of reinforces we can do a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Awesome. Well, I think this is going to be such a really help, such a helpful conversation to talk about hiring because most of my listeners are small business owners and the process can be really intimidating. So can you walk us through how an entrepreneur can start thinking about outsourcing and, and what they need to be considering as they make this step? Yeah, definitely. And I think, so the first thing is like, get help, right? There are so many entrepreneurs and business owners that we work with that have just waited like too long, right? Because whether it's because they're, oh, I can't afford to help to get kind of help, or I don't feel like, like, who am I to ask someone else to do the work that I don't want to do? Things like that. So there's lots of reasons why we don't hire. The biggest thing for me is to kind of try and have like a longer term vision and to be thinking like, what is the business that you want to create? Because that impacts on which are the roles to hire and when. A lot of the time, what we typically see is for like a, a small business owner or entrepreneur, you know, very first hire, it's going to be either someone to take things off their plate so that they can do more of the things that where they can add the most value. So a lot of the times it might be that you're doing the delivery or it might be that you're doing the sales. And what you might do is you might hire a really great executive assistant to take kind of calendar, diary, inbox, research, all kinds of kind of uh, admin type level stuff um, off your plate so that then you gain, you know, 10, 20 hours a week back to focus on, you know, your zone of genius. Alternatively, it might be that actually what you need to hire is someone that is in, you know, it's got skills that you don't have. So let's say if you're running a, a small marketing agency or marketing business, and actually you want to offer SEO services or PPC, then maybe you hire a kind of an expert or a specialist around that. But the big thing for me is thinking kind of long term and trying to think in terms of building a team. So for me, if you want to build a really sustainable long term business that does not have you working, you know, 80 hours a week and the phone and Slack and everything else is constantly on, building your business around real team members that are committed to you and your business, that is that's kind of the secret. Um, they can be part time. They don't have to be full time. They can be offshore so you can benefit from lower cost regions of the world still with really great quality. But there's a real difference between someone that you kind of get their shower thoughts, right? They're thinking about you first thing in the morning and your business rather than kind of, you know, freelancers or just project or gig workers that they're great, but they're there to do a task for normally a defined period of time. They're just not as invested as you in you and your business. So kind of that as my, I'm a big advocate of real team members, even if you kind of start quite small in the, in the early days. Yeah, I love that. And actually, you brought up a really good point about the difference between hiring someone who's going to be in your business and kind of doing that more kind of contractor freelance type work. Can you talk a little bit more about the difference there and why one's mm. better than the other? Yeah, sure thing. And the thing I should probably be really clear, actually, because the word that I use is team member. Mm -hmm. And I don't, what I mean by that is someone that's kind of committed to you and your business, but that doesn't automatically mean that they're an employee from a legal sure. and a financial sense. So, you know, you can have team members that are offshore in other countries. Legally, they might be an independent contractor mm -hmm. working under a service agreement. You know, they invoice you, you pay them. Um, and it's nice and simple. And that's normally, you know, especially if you're in the US, Canada or, or most countries, that's normally how you're going to work with someone outside of, of your country. Legally, independent contractor status and you know, they're responsible for their own tax and social security. 
The rest of it is then down to the expectation that you set. So if you set the expectation from the very start, I'm looking for someone to come and join my team, even if they're the very first person that's joining you, right? We're building a team. I want you to come in. I want you to be you know, a team member. I want us to work together as opposed to, you know, maybe with a freelancer or with a project type worker kind of, it's more that they're going to come in to do a project or do some tasks. And so for me, when you've got a team member, yes, there's going to be a core role or set of tasks and projects they're going to do. They're going to have kind of key responsibilities, but you can also expect them to be thinking about how do they make things better? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you get someone into kind of, let, let's say, use that PPC example, for instance, right? If you get a freelancer to do PPC for you, A, you've got to make really, really sure that they're good and that they, you know, you've got your client's best interests at heart. But they're going to do what you ask them to do, but they're unlikely to be spending extra hours and extra thought to make it better for you or your clients. Whereas when you've got a team member, they're going to be looking and saying, hey, we, hey, oh, there's this thing over here. We can improve things if we use ChatGPT. We can improve things if we use this plugin. They're kind of just way, way more invested. Kind of. So that's, that's probably the biggest difference. Um, it's not a universal rule, but generally, you know, freelancers, kind of gig workers, people doing projects and tasks are going to be doing the projects and the tasks. People that are focused on you that are your team members, they're kind of thinking more long term, a bit more committed, and you're more likely to get that kind of improvement mindset. Okay, that that's really helpful. And, and that makes a lot of sense, especially when you're thinking about that, that long term piece, right? And someone who's going to be, you're investing a lot in this person and to get them up to speed. And that brings me to my next question, because I had a client recently who really needs to hire and he got burned really bad by a by a bad hire. And it cost him a lot of time. It cost him a lot of money. And so how do you ease someone's fears who may have had an experience where it wasn't the right fit? Yeah. So first of all, hiring is hard, right? And it doesn't matter how experienced you you get. The even the best CEOs in the world and throughout all history will generally acknowledge. You know, there was a quote I read recently, and uh, someone was saying that hey, at the start of their career, they were up there, maybe they were getting like a fifty percent success rate in their hires, and after like a forty year career, they were maybe at a seventy percent success rate, right? So it's not. It's just not guaranteed. So, but the big step, first of all, knowing that, you know, you're not stupid, you, it's not just you, it's everybody, everybody that has ever hired anyone has a hiring horror story, right? So then it's about, well, what can we do to minimize the chances of that? Well, there's two kind of big things. So one is take enough time over the process, right? Hiring is hard. It's kind of supposed to be hard. You are making a big decision. So whatever the monthly salary is, times it by 12. That's the annual salary, right? So even if you're just hiring someone at, let's say, let's say you're hiring someone at $10 an hour, right? And if they're full-time, that's kind of a $20,000 a year decision, right? You wouldn't just go into, I don't know, a car dealership or into anywhere and just hand them 20K without really thinking about it. So when you kind of equate the, the significance of the decision, that helps to make sure you give it enough time. That's the first bit. Um, the second bit, and it's linked to that, is you know, you're going to go into enough detail. That's super, super important. How can you actually figure out if they can do what you want them to do? And generally, recruitment's terrible at this, right? Because we get asked that we get their resume, right? Resumes are rubbish. You can basically ignore everything that's written on them because so many people lie on them. These days, so many people are just getting chat GPT to write it. It's just not worth the screen space that you look at it. Then you come into interviews, right? Well, no one's trained how to do interviews. And so you might get someone that's really good at interviews, or you might get someone that's really bad at interviews. Interviews have very little to do generally with the job you want them to do. So then it's about, what can we really do? So the two things here, the biggest one is test people, 
right? So make the process efficient. You can use applications forms to help with that. Uh, make sure you include a testing stage where you get them to spend maybe just one to two hours doing some tasks and kind of uh, tests and tasks that are the same as what you're getting to do for real. So if you want a an executive assistant and part of it is going to be doing, you know, travel research and travel itinerary, give them a sample project to do. Uh, if they are going to be doing a social media for you, for instance, ask them to come up with some images and some posts that they might write. And they're not going to be perfect, but it's going to give you an idea about how they kind of approach the tasks. And you can do this for any role, whether it's the most senior developer to an account manager, to an ops manager, graphic designer, anything at all. So the bit that's the big thing and actually see you know, what, what's the actual work they're going to actually kind of produce. Uh, and then finally, slightly biased at this, but, you know, most business owners are not doing their own bookkeeping. And for me, hiring is exactly the same, right? Yes, every business owner and CEO needs to get good and hire good people, but they don't need to become a hiring expert. So I and our clients, in fact, would be the first to say the big advocates of get help with hiring, whether that just means get help and advice from peers and people in your network, or whether you actually work with, you know, recruitment professionals like myself um, to give you that help to hire. That is, you know, hiring is hard and it takes a huge amount of time and energy and it's unreasonable to expect, you know, you, you to be an expert straight away. Uh, it, takes, it takes years and years of practice and kind of mistakes. Yeah, that's really, really helpful because you're absolutely right. Like some people, it's like testing, right? Some people do really well on a test and some people don't. And I think there's, yes, there's absolutely the importance to have that kind of vibe check, right? You want to make sure that person's going to be comfortable and, and easy to talk to and someone that you can have those moments with where you're just kind of spitballing back and forth and brainstorming, but they also need to be able to get things done. And some of that is also your responsibility. So uh, one of the questions I had too, is how do you start to prepare that? We, we kind of, I think I have a like delegation muscle written down, which, which must be something that we talked about in our pre-chat, pre but it's hard, right? These are our businesses. We can be we love them, right? We don't want to give up our babies and let someone into our brain. So how can we start building up that muscle so that when that person comes onto the team, they also have the tools they need to be successful? So the first thing that I always do when I'm thinking about hiring someone is just start building up the list of things that they could help me with and they could do. And so I did this oh, probably for about nine months before I hired my first assistant, just kind of building up the justification for bringing them in. And so building up the list of what could they do is the first thing. Then it's just very gently with, you know, we have a kind of a, a key information sheet about me and it has all the kinds of info that my EA needs to kind of help support me. And so just starting to centralize that or starting to make a note of it. Um, so that's kind of super, super helpful. Then once you've hired the person, what I find is really great is get them to push you to delegate. Right. So my EA Polly, she every morning and every evening, she's going to ask, she's like, hey, how can what can I take off your plate today? And at the end of the day, she'll say, what have you done today that actually I could have done that you should have delegated? And so it's this constant reminder because it does need to be a constant reminder going, oh, hang on a minute. You know, there's so many emails. That I'm like, oh, I'll just jump in and do that. It's like, no, I'm not supposed to be in my inbox. Leave it alone. She does it better than me anyway. So things like that, I think are really good to kind of have this like constant reminder to kind of just let gently kind of things go. And then you, you build up. The other thing that I find really good is something that Dan Martell talked about in his book, Buy Back Your Time. And he talks about the 10-80-10 principle. So what I've seen is that lots of entrepreneurs and business owners think, I'm not going to delegate this because you know they can't do everything. right? Whereas what I've found is actually they don't need to do all of it. What if they just did half of it? 
or 30% of it or 80% of it. And that has changed things a lot for me. And so what we tend to do, the 10-80-10 principle is the the basis that you need to spend 10% of the time of the whole task briefing and saying what you need. And that might be over a few occasions. So it might be that I could record a quick Loom video or send a voice message, something like that saying, hey, this is what I'd like to do give all the detail, give the context of why, and then invite questions. And so there might be a little bit of back and forth to get help the person get really clear on what it is you want. Then they'll go away and do the bulk of the work, but they might come back for feedback along the way as needed. And at the end, you're going to have probably have 10% to kind of you know tidy things up, to review it, to make any tweaks, things like that. And regardless of what those ratios and proportions are, whether it's 10, 80, 10, or something different, just thinking about how can someone help with this? not necessarily do all of it, that can make a bit massive difference. Um, a good example is it's often much harder to write something than it is to edit something. So if someone can go and get a first draft of something, actually you get past that procrastination and it can really kind of help push you forward. So that, that's a big thing for me. So making a list of the things that someone could do, getting them to be nudging you and saying, hey, what else could I do? Um, and then just kind of knowing and accepting that it's still going to take some of your time, uh, but dramatically less. Yeah. I, I love that you said that it's easier to edit than create. I say that to my clients all the time. Like you just have to get that first draft done. So if you, again, that's a great thing to be able to delegate, be able to outsource because then you can put your own flavor on it, but you're not staring at a blank word document. Yeah. yeah. And if you hire someone who's a really good fit, who you work with them on that editing process, eventually they will be able to learn your voice. And then the editing becomes even easier. Exactly that. Yeah. I think that's great too to recognize that you're still going to have to do that editing and tweaking and explaining. That that's part of the process. That's part of the because if you think about in a more traditional work environment, there's going to be an onboarding process there too. It would it be the same same exact thing. So I think that's a great. I love that ratio that you shared. Where do you find that most people? start their hiring journey. So if they're if they're an entrepreneur and you're just like okay, I know I need some backup. Is it a, is an assistant tend tend to be the first pick? It's a very common one. Yes. Okay. And it, it depends on the nature of the business, right? So we will sometimes see I'm just thinking of the different kinds of businesses that we've got. So for instance, if we think about an e-commerce business, right? So someone's maybe selling on Amazon, selling on Shopify, things like that. It's very often that they'll bring in like an e-com assistant, like an operations assistant, helping them deal with customer service, you know, some ordering, logistics, yeah, Amazon support, things like that. Um, so kind of an assistant, but kind of a more specific one. If we've got someone, let's say we've got someone that is a, a specialist in something themselves, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's you know, finance, something like that. Often what times what we'll see there is they'll bring in another specialist, right? To be able to take on some of the work. So a lot of people in small businesses start as the expert, right? They start as the consultant, they're doing the work. What that means is if once they get busy, they don't have work to go out, they don't have time, sorry, to go out and get more work and find more clients and follow up and do all of those good things. And so there often it's case that, well, maybe they'll bring in a, a marketing specialist, SEO specialist, PPC specialist, someone to do the work. Uh, whatever that kind of speciality might be. Uh, we've got kind of virtual CFOs, for instance, that will bring in a bookkeeper to then do client bookkeeping. So it really, really depends on the nature of the business um, and where you're at in terms of if you're if it's your very first hire, 
Or if it's that maybe you've got a few people doing the delivery, and if you're running a kind of an agency type model, then an operations manager is very, very frequently, you know, the, the, the really key hire. So someone to come in and maybe do combined operations management and account management, like actually manage your clients for you. And we combine that role really, really frequently. Uh, and it works really, really well. So they're keeping everything going. They're improving the processes, focusing on what's getting delivered to the clients and actually managing the client's needs um, as well. So I would say that probably the mo- the three kind of pillars would be someone to people to do the work, people to manage the work and manage the clients, especially in the agency world, or those you know really amazing executive assistants just to take things off your plate. Um, and that can start with just, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week from just kind of eight to $10 an hour for someone really, really great that, you know, can make a huge difference to kind of, you know, your week, your month and, you know, kind of just general quality of life. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a great breakdown. My first hire was a bookkeeper because, it again, I'm not bad at it. I like that stuff. I'm an, I'm an engineering nerd. I like the numbers, but I just knew that it wasn't going to be my expertise and not something that I could keep up with or something that I wanted to keep up with. And so that was such a, such a relief off my, uh, off my plate when I hired her. Definitely. And there's a lot to be said also for, you know, when should you hire a person versus when should you contract with a service? So for me, for instance, I haven't hired a bookkeeper, but I use a bookkeeping service because actually for the cost and the amount of work I've got, I don't actually want to manage a person. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, for me, it kind of, it made more sense to do it that way. Uh, and, but both ways work, work great. And so it's looking and saying, Hey, when should I have a service that's providing that service to me? When should I bring a team member in? So I'm a big fan of kind of, Hey, what's going to make the biggest, what's going to move the needle the most for where you are as a business owner. And one of the things that I do is I'm hopping on calls all the time with people, helping them figure that out, almost doing kind of like elements of business coaching, like you do, you know, people figuring out, right, what is the biggest blocker and how do we kind of unblock it? Yeah, well, it actually brings me to my next question, which may have, should have been our first question, but how do you know when you're ready to hire? How do you know when you're ready to bring someone in? Yeah, so normally, you know when you are, you're past ready. That's actually normally <laughs> what happens, right? It's like you're approaching burnout. You've just got no time left. You know, you're spending evenings, weekends, having to work maybe uh, on top of the week as well. So normally it's recognizing that actually you're you're past that point and you're like, okay, yeah, past that. Ideally, you'd get there in advance because it's much healthier, the business can grow faster, all those kinds of things. And so that's where it kind of comes back to that vision that we mentioned earlier. If you can be thinking ahead and thinking, okay, well, what is what will break next? If I get 10 more clients or if we 2x the business tomorrow, what breaks first? And having an idea of what the next few things are that break, you know, whether it's what's the limiting factor, is it time to do sales calls? Is it time to deliver the work? Is it, you know, time or someone to send the invoices and actually get paid, for instance? I think just having that kind of vision, then it's just about, you know, ultimately, you know, what, whichever one of those things is the blocker, what can unblock it and help you move forward, help you grow? Generally, people want to grow their business, certainly to a certain point, um, to you know, get freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, et cetera. And it's just that bit of figuring out and going, yep, I can afford it. Um, it's going to give me the value that I need. And that is the thing that I need. And that's where we help a lot of people in that early stage because, you know, if you want to hire, you know, locally in the US or the UK, it's pretty expensive, right? Mm-hmm. There's lots and lots of legislation. There's lots of benefits you have to offer. Um, and But it's just expensive, frankly. Whereas if you look into other regions of the world, whether it's Latin America, whether it's the Philippines, whether it's Eastern Europe, which is which is our speciality, 
then you can get amazing quality people, like equal or better to the people that you'd find locally, but for a fraction of the cost. And that is how, you know, kind of our clients are really helping kind of catapult their businesses forwards through really, really great people, but at a lower cost, which lets you hire earlier than, than you could even, even dream about doing locally. Sure. And and that brings me to the question, too, of if people are worried about the cost, right, if that is something that they're concerned about, do you find that hiring people actually helps the business owner make more money, right? Is that a trend you see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, hugely. So, I mean, if you if we take the example of a business owner that is just strapped for time, right, and they're doing most things themselves, and they don't have time to do prospecting, you know, do any lead generation, do even do sales calls, right? So let's say they bring in a part-time executive assistant, right, that takes 10 to 20 hours a week off their plate, even if it's just 10 hours. And it's very, very easy for a good assistant to come in and save 10 hours a week. You know, let's say they're working 20 hours and even if they're at $10, you know, $10 an hour, which in Eastern Europe, you get an amazing person for $10 an hour. You know, you're talking about what's that they're doing 20 hours a week. It's like $800 a month, right? Can you make $200 a week if you had an extra 10 hours? The answer is hell yeah. And <laughs> yeah. That, you know, without any, any doubt. And so that we see it, you know, every, every day. Um, if you bring in, you know, an SEO specialist or a marketing specialist or someone to work either on your business to bring you business or to work on your clients, depending on what you're doing, they can deliver, you know, five, 10 X the value that they're actually costing. And that's, that's just the nature, the nature of things. So yeah, it gives a lot of peace of mind. And we also see a lot of kind of almost a lot of stress relief and actual just emotional relief because you have someone to share things with. So we have a, you know, we have a lot of solopreneurs that we help with that very first hire. Um, and we go up to people with, you know, we, most of our clients have got maybe between kind of five and a hundred team members, something like that. And, you know, sharing the burden of things makes a huge, huge difference. So especially when you're smaller, because each person that you add makes a, a kind of a bigger uh, kind of difference. Sure. Yeah. You bring up a really good point too. that. Sometimes this is it's a little lonely, right? Like if you're, you're oh, a solopreneur, yeah. if you're, or, or even if it's just you and, you know, my bookkeeper only touched base with once a month. I mean, I adore her. She's fabulous, but we don't talk on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, having someone that you can run ideas by and just kind of keep in the loop can be mm-hmm. absolutely a good thing to have in business. Yeah. And use for accountability as well. Mm-hmm. So you can use an, an assistant to keep you accountable, right? Now, some people don't like this idea because they're like, you know, I'm paying their their wages. They're not going to tell me what to do. But if you're really smart and if you're wise about this, a lot of business owners and small business owners and entrepreneurs struggle with kind of procrastination. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know, one, I have a friend who pays his EA. They kind of co-work on Zoom. And he's like, do not let me off this call until I've done the thing that I said we need to do. Right. And they do that and to use it. And then once I've done it, I'm free. Um, and so that you can use an assistant or a, you know, a team member for that accountability, hold each other accountable to things. And you know, there's websites like Focusmate that you can do the very similar thing. But yeah, a team member not only can help with the loneliness, you're sharing the pain, you're sharing the workload, but also for accountability as well. Yeah, I just brought on a podcast manager and she shared this in the extensive Trello board with me. And, and I have assignments every week and she's really keeping me on track, which is amazing because as much as I love doing the interviews, everything else in the podcast was such a struggle for me. So I, she's, I'm sure she's listening now. She edits, but I adore her. And 
same thing. It really keeps me accountable because she's like, no, you have to email, you have to post, here's how you're going to do, you know, she really keeps me on task. And so uh, I, I really do appreciate that when I'm hiring, when I'm looking for a teammate, because you're absolutely right. Often as a solopreneur, that procrastination piece and that accountability piece is the only person who's going to notice it's not done is you. So if someone else is looking over your shoulder or at least just helping you out, they can keep you on task. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. As we change gears a little bit, because I love to nerd out about productivity on this podcast and get to know kind of behind the scenes of what a normal day or week in your life would look like in terms of how you structure your business, structure your life and get things done. Yeah. So we have, so I have two kind of project management tools um, because one's never enough, obviously. (laughs) Um, So for a business, we run on monday.com. And so we're very, very structured. So we have, you know, when we take clients on and we're helping them hire, we have a very kind of structured process that we follow. We have a lot of automation in Monday that helps us uh, with that. For my personal side of things and the things that I do, I use Asana and I'm a really big fan of Asana. I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Um, so again, there's just ways. What I particularly like is the combined view. So I can have lots of different projects. So I can have personal life, work life, all kinds of things. And then I get a single kind of like today view, which I, which helps me a lot because like most people, you know, life is blended these days. It's not just, hey, from nine to five, I'm doing work. And then from five to nine, I'm doing like life and, and kind of personal stuff that's just not how it works everything's blended sometimes got to do phone calls so having one view helps a lot i do a weekly and monthly review process uh so every sunday i do a review and i'm looking back on the week that's gone and then i'm planning what i call my mits so my most important things for the week ahead and so i plan those in they go into the calendar because if they go into the calendar they have a much better chance of getting done than if there's just a to-do list separate from my calendar. So I find that to be really, really powerful. And I try, and this is a work in progress, I have a tendency to plan too much um, that's, you know, kind of unachievable, basically. And there's a real downside to that, because if you're never actually clearing the list, you're never getting that kind of endorphin streak, you know, never getting that feel good kind of feeling. Instead, you're just like, oh, I failed today because I didn't finish the to-do list. Um, So I'm working to kind of like just have, try and have one key thing each day that's the thing I'm working on. And I put time in, time in for that. And there's a whole bunch of things I do. I try and have focus time for a couple of hours a day, depending on the day of the week. I have two no calls days. So Tuesdays and Fridays, I don't normally do any calls. Again, giving me kind of just bigger blocks of time to really focus and do the things that, you know, I should be doing because, you know, every interruption takes a long time to kind of recover from. So yeah, combination of reviews, good tools in place, um, accountability to myself uh, with my team as well. Um, and then lots of communication through Slack is the primary one that we use as a business. Okay, awesome. And how do you work with your executive assistant to make sure that all that happens as it should? Mm, so we have a check-in on a Monday. So we spend an hour on a Monday morning. Um, she will have summarized things in Slack, first of all. Um, so it'll be everything that is her, in her plan for this week, anything that's outstanding on me. Um, and then we'll review that. And so we look forwards both two and four weeks. What's coming up in the diary? What do we need to be aware of and focus on? We uh, She'll do a kind of a, a start of day and end of day report for me. Uh, again, highlighting anything that's waiting on me, kind of priorities that she's working on, and I can adjust those as needs as needed. We communicate through kind of Slack as we need to through the day. We use things like LastPass to share passwords and credit card details, things like that. Um, and just lots and lots of focus on getting better at me using her as an EA and her being an EA. 
So we're constantly consuming content from people like kind of Dan Martel, um, Ramit Sethi and others about, you know, how to, you know, use an assistant really, really effectively. So a recent thing, for instance, that we, a challenge that we had is sometimes you schedule a meeting, right? And then you go to your calendar and you're like, what's that meeting again? And especially if it's not your meeting, you can't edit the invite to put details. So we picked up a tip recently that what we do is we add another calendar entry at the same time. So it just sits alongside it in the calendar and it's called note and then who it's with. And then you can just put details in there. So that helps to remind, right, that's what the, uh, that's what kind of the call's about. So we're constantly looking at things like that. We have a emails uh, management system that we use a series of label labels in Gmail that helps her manage uh, as many of the emails as possible. I can delegate to her easily. So lots and lots of communication and just a constant focus on her doing as much as possible. That's great. I think that's really smart to to do it that way. In your re- weekly review, is that, do you look at numbers and data at that point? Do you look at what happened or a little bit of both? It's more kind of what happened at the moment, okay. so less numeric focused. I would like to, at some stage, get to a, like a score, particularly around the calendar and how I've spent my time. So I've mapped out a rough version of like what's an ideal week for me. Mm-hmm. So particularly like how many focus hours do I want to get? And so at some point we will start, you know, Polly will start doing some analysis each at the end of each week. We'll color code things in my diary and see, okay, well, I was aiming to spend, you know, I don't know, 12 focused hours this week. How many did I actually get? And then you kind of look look from there. So right now it's more, hey, you know, what did I do this week? What am I pleased about? Are there any particular learnings from this week? Did I do the things I said I was going to do? If not, why not? Um, and then, you know, kind of and lots of kind of personal things as well. You know, what am I looking forward to? What achievements have I got? And then, you know, I track things around fitness and nutrition, um, that side of things, uh, that mm-hmm. side of things too. So it's, yeah, it's not kind of numbers and data yet, but I think we will come to that. I do like the idea of some of that. Yeah, I, so I'm also a nonprofit consultant. And so I actually have to do this for my clients. Like it's part Mm -hmm. of the the team that I work on or work with. And I have implemented something similar in my own business where it's the same thing. This is what I accomplished for this week. This is what I have to do coming up for them. And this is what I'm waiting on them for. And then any other needs to know if I'm going to be out for a certain day or anything like that. And doing something similar in my business, I think has been really helpful just in terms of kind of building that ideal day, you said, right? Like recognizing mm. more and more. And it's really about iteration and about experimenting to see what's going to work best. What doesn't, you know, maybe you realize like Tuesdays aren't a great day because so many people who you want to collaborate with have to meet on Tuesdays. And so therefore your Tuesdays get eaten up a lot more than you would like them to be. And so that's a great, you have to pay attention to that, right? Just being aware. Yeah, definitely. And constantly just change it and learn things. And that's what I, you know, obviously I'm using Polly to learn all these kind of things. And we talk about it and we're like, hey, let's implement that. Let's try that. And as you said, you've got to find what works for you. What kind of cadence, you know, do you have a good morning routine? Do you like working out in the mornings and the evenings? When's your best kind of like focus time? And that's very, very personal. And it's just, yeah, play with it, experiment with it and and see what works. Yeah. Productivity is personal. That's my, that's my slogan. So I completely agree. I love it. All right. No, I'd love to wrap up with a few rapid fire questions for you. Mm. All right. Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning. Morning. Okay. Um, Paper and pen or all digital? Paper and pen. I do a lot digitally, but I've, I've tried remarkable. I've tried a bunch of things, but for scribbling notes down, 
not found anything that beats paper and pens. Uh, I'm surprised. I thought you for sure you were going to say digital since yeah. you're between Monday and Asana. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I use everything extensively, but when I'm just scribbling notes, things like that, um, but I try and get everything into a system as soon as possible following the GTD principle. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And what is your favorite way to relax? Hmm. Not great at relaxing, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, it would be generally kind of like hanging out with friends. Okay. Uh, hanging out with friends in a nice cocktail bar in London, having good conversation, good chat. That sounds lovely. Yeah, I'm not great at relaxing either. So I appreciate that. Sometimes it's sometimes it takes other people to get, get you get you to do yeah, exactly it. Exactly that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Perfect. Well, this has been awesome. Where can people find out more about you and your business, and if they are ready to hire, to reach out? Yeah, best bet is just head to jobrack.eu. Uh, we've got a ton of information, ton of details there. You can book a call in with me uh, or with one of my team to chat to us. And uh, yeah, you'll also find me on LinkedIn as well. And um, yeah, main thing for me is like, I love kind of being helpful and friendly. So if anyone wants to just chat hiring, chat about what their first role might should be, maybe that they should hire or when the right time is, always, always just get in touch and we'll help you out regardless of you know, where the right place to hire is from. Perfect. Awesome. I'll have all of this in the show notes. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. This was a really great conversation. Hey, no worries, Chelsea. It was good fun. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.